Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Faster Mai, it's Sarah Hendy here with you until six o'clock this evening. And tonight I'm joined by a co-presenter, Morris Powell of Thursday Evenings, A Little Light Music. We have a very special guest with us tonight, Marjorie Cullen, who is here to discuss the life and work of composer and violin virtuoso Hayden Wood. Today's programme will, of course, be available to stream, subscribe to or download as a podcast so you can listen again at your convenience. So we now welcome Morris Powell and Marjorie Cullen to the programme, both of whom are extremely knowledgeable and very passionate about the work of Hayden Wood. Marjorie has travelled quite some way from Canada, in fact. So, Morris, how did you and our guest today cross paths? I uh, started doing some research um, on Harry Wood, who is the elder brother of the composer Hayden Wood. Hayden Wood, of course, is much better known, much more famous, and wrote an enormous amount of music. But from the point of view of the Isle of Man, Harry Wood, um, very much in the shadows, as it were, was a more interesting figure because he actually lived here for over 50 years and was the overall music director of the Palace and Derby Castle Company. Now, the whole Wood family... Um, moved here um, in in the 1880s and um, several of them in fact including Hayden Wood who was about three years old at the time Um, now he stayed here of course until his mid-teens he had his first violin lessons from Harry Wood and played in the Palace and Derby Castle orchestras as he was training and very quickly became um, a budding virtuoso violinist, eventually left the island, went to the Royal College of Music and also to the Brussels Conservatoire. And the rest, as they say, is history. He's better known to us, obviously, as a composer of some wonderful music, Not you know, obviously most notable, perhaps. Uh, best known is the song Roses of Picardy, but lots of other music as well, which will, which Marjorie and I will be talking about shortly, all with Manx connections. So my interest started with Harry Wood, but of course, once you once you're dealing with the Wood family, um, it, it, eventually you come across Hayden Wood, who of course is, was a very fine composer. I would hesitate to say a great composer because that brings in comparisons to all sorts of other people. But in his field, um, which wasn't just light music, he wrote some, some very interesting, what might call more serious music. He was a, a superb technician, a wonderful orchestrator, with a real gift of melody, wrote hundreds of songs which were amazingly popular, and here on the island too. So things started to overlap. I actually went to, to Marjorie's archive in, uh, on Vancouver Island in Canada. She has the, the, probably the world's most important collection of material relating to the Wood family, and of course she is herself working on a book on Hayden Wood. And I, and I suppose, went there to study. Yeah, now is probably mm-hmm. an appropriate time to say that the reason, uh, one of the reasons that you're so um, so um, knowledgeable on on the work of Hayden Wood is because you are one of his great nieces. Well, sort of, um, but not really. I I was uh, born in Vancouver f- with a British heritage. My father was from Yorkshire, born in the same. Lewisham Hotel that Hayden Wood and Harry Wood and my grandmother, who was their sister, Mary Hannah Wood, they were all born in this Lewisham Hotel and Pub in Slaithwaite, Yorkshire. My dad 
had a 178 record, and it was somebody singing Roses of Picardy. I thought that Hayden Wood only wrote one song for years and years and years. Uh, but the funny thing, it was nothing to do with Hayden Wood. I played the violin as a good little obedient kid that did everything, you know. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll take swimming. Oh, okay, I'll take badminton. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll take violin and piano. So I'm playing the violin, not to become a violinist, but just because... There was a teacher who would come to my house and teach me for a dollar fifty an hour. He'd come on the bus, and so I, I wasn't really thinking about Haydenwood. But the funniest thing is, I got a master's degree in music history, whoop de doo, from two accredited universities like bigwigs, University of British Columbia, and the in the states Ohio State University, and they're giving me all these ideas of what to write for a dissertation or a thesis on atonal music or renaissance music or dissonant music. I'm thinking, oh, okay. So I chose a Baroque music composer just about the time that apparently Hayden Wood's own birthplace was getting disappearing and the archives and whatever else, his love letters, his journals, his diaries were getting missing. So it's like I'm just Lottie dying. There's a few royalties coming in. Everybody, the nieces and nephews, because Hayden Wood is a really nice man. You know how some people are famous for being so terrible? Well, he, from all my accounts, he was twinkly. He was joking. He was nice. He was kind. He was trying to help the um, populace during all those years of composing to uplift their morale. Even during the First World War, as part of his, uh, he got a, a an honor for his military honor for what he did in the war. He wasn't in the fighting. He was doing the entertaining. And then after the war, he was still going around to the hospitals, playing the piano for the shell-shocked victims who couldn't talk because they were so shell-shocked, but they could sing a little bit. And they some of them recorded and that they sort of found their voices again by singing. Well, of course, we know that nowadays, but this was really written up as a big deal thing and it was and so the whole point is there's me I'm not thinking about Hayden Wood except oh yeah some royalties came in from for my dad and I'm then I go to England in 1991 for a Baroque music course you know like Franz Joseph Haydn or Foscarini or some of these early Baroque music people you've maybe never heard of with playing theorbos and lutes and I got my violin and I was there, and I met this lady from Huddersfield, and I said, oh, that's real close to where my father was born, George Cullern. And I said, oh, yeah, and my great-uncle Hayden Wood. She says, Hayden Wood, wow, you must come and visit me. So I went there, finally twigged, my gosh, what happened to my great-uncle's everything, like, you know, books, journals. I talked to some living relatives, and they told me, oh, yeah, that pile of stuff, brought over by my hero and Aunt Adeline from when Harry would die, and the house on number one Osborne Terrace got requisitioned for war efforts. Adeline was the heroine because Harry would have died December 25th, 1938, and Hayden was in London. I know he came up and probably brought a couple of weeks' worth of stuff down to his flat in Bickenhall Mansions, but the point is I finally got twigging of interest in when I'm sort of in my 40s. And so this Susan Marshall and I in Huddersfield, we found, even though most we've heard what was lost, what was thrown away, what was destroyed, what got flooded out and wet and thrown away, we found one canvas box, probably a military box, it was like cocky green, about this big, full of what 
Adeline had packed up. Maybe she'd packed up way more boxes than the one, but we found one box in one of my second cousin's garage. It was full, seven or eight, seven-eighths full of books, photographs in frames, like cuttings books and photograph albums, one journal from 1895. The, the top eighth was full of mold, like fluffy white stuff. I got it. They gave it to me. They were so happy to have somebody take an interest in it. Susan Marshall sent it home in four banker's boxes to my house in, on Vancouver Island. And so uh, I got interested in it that way. It wasn't like I studied music because of Hayden Wood. It was just I was good luck. And it was seen to be in my genes because for many, many years, Hayden Wood was an obligato violinist. That means you play the backup. So I was doing that incredibly without knowing it. It's like, wow, this is so cosmic. I was playing in a, lots of concerts with sopranos, or especially one, for about 12 years, and pianist. And I was doing either solos with the pianist or backing up the arias of the soprano. That's what Hayden was, was doing a lot of his lifetime. Isn't that funny? And I had no idea. As he was doing that for this famous diva, Madame Albani, Emma Albani, who by the time she hired Hayden, she was past her prime doing 41. She had 41 operas memorized. She would do them in La Scala and Covent Garden and New, the New York Philharmonic. You know, she was really a star in the 19th century, but by the time she got to be 50 or so, she was not doing those young lady opera roles anymore. She was still wanting to sing, so she toured the colonies, and Hayden Wood was doing that kind of obligato violin accompanying and brilliant virtuoso solos in her concerts in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, India, Salon, big, huge tours. So that was pretty, pretty special that I was doing the same thing without knowing it. It's interesting that, uh, as you say, that's how Hayden Wood started out, but because we tend to forget that he could easily have had a career as a virtuoso violinist. He could have spent his entire life as a concert violinist. But of course, at almost the same time he went to the Royal College of Music to study the violin, he was also having composition lessons. Oh, but he didn't start them until the f about 14 months before he graduated. He mm. was there for six years on full scholarship. He took like things like music theory and harmony and piano as a second instrument with violin as his first instrument. He didn't actually start his composition lessons with Stanford, Sir Charles Villiers Stanford, until about 14 months before he graduated. But he seemed to be, and I don't know how because I don't have any of his early compositions, he seemed to have an ease of, I mean, he had to study the craftsmanship, but the ease of knowing a melody and what the harmonies would be underneath. He seemed to have it as a gift. But he didn't study the whole time. You see what I mean? No. Only And Charles Villiers Standard really liked him. I know that because of he got Sarasati to come and listen to him. He got, that's a famous violinist. And he got, I don't know how to pronounce it, but Joachim, how do you oh, yeah. pronounce that? Joachim Wieniewski. Well, no, Wieniewski didn't. Yeah, but the point is they came and listened to them, mm. him, thought he was wonderful and all that. So um, that's... True, he was a virtuoso violinist. I got hundreds of fabulously complimentary newspaper reviews from all of those colonial countries uh, about his technique and 
most of the reviews, they're very specific about his expression and his technique. It wasn't like he was only a technician, you know. He was expressive, he was entertaining. But, you see, Madame Albany, she was like, huh. she would not perform any of his songs. I have a quote somewhere. This is a quotation from Hayden Wood, who was already composing songs. He said, if Madame Albany would only sing one of my songs in her concerts, my career in London would be made. But she was too hoity-toity to sing his songs. Like, she was just her violinist. I, I know she liked him because I've got a letter from her, and it's alluding to him. It's a letter to Harry Wood about something to do with Harry coming for dinner. But dear Hayden had already left Glasgow. and So, I mean, I know she liked him, but the point is there was no way she was going to sing his songs. So... Now, you were, we were just talking about um, the time when Hayden Wood was living on the island and his parents were running a pub on the North Quay, the Black Lion, and the family were all there. Harry Wood was kind of kind of like almost the breadwinner, really, because he was always playing for the, already playing at the, at the, at the, yes. at the palace. Um, but you were get, telling me an anecdote. Now, considering that he became a fabulous violinist, and the Royal College, I think, said that he was the finest virtuoso violinist that ever had studying there up to that time. This is the years before the First World War. Um, you were telling me that he's actually, as a, as a fairly small child, having had his first few violin lessons, he was actually quite a reluctant young soloist. Yes, I've got a letter in my archive. I have very few letters written by Hayden Wood. I've got literally two because it wasn't a book. The archive wasn't about only Hayden Wood. It was just the Wood family. And my grandmother's name was Mary Hannah Wood. You see, she was, I said this before, she was the sister of Hayden Wood and Harry Wood. So, yes, he was a youngster. I've got a letter in his six-year-old handwriting in a scrapbook, and it says, uh, he was saying, Dear sister and brother, Blah, 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 blah. I'm playing the violin. I practice every day. Blah, you know, that kind of thing. But I've got another article, piece of notepaper written by Hayden Wood. It's his own handwriting on his own, orig- it's the original. And it says, on coming home from school so often, it was the occasion for tears because my mother would come to the door and say, so-and-so, so-and-so from some parochial parish or church, they want you to play a certain parochial tea. And he said it was the occasion for tears because he hated playing solos in public. He only liked playing in his big brother, who was 14 years older. Harry Wood was 14 years older. His big brother's like student concerts and just sitting in the orchestra, he liked that. And he said, yet, even though I was like that, I had a burning desire to be a soloist, but he wasn't ready to be mature enough to be it. He was just, oh, I don't want to play. <laughs> so that was so cute. I think I answered your question on that one, didn't I? I think you did, yes. Okay. But, uh, but this is, say, this is the same tearful young player that eventually yeah. became a virtuoso violinist. Yeah. And then, as I say, you know, history kind of takes over. He then becomes uh, better known as a composer. I think he always said that writing Roses of Picardy basically made his fortune mm-hmm. because it sold, what, hundreds of thousands of copies? Yeah. And um, I suppose, like a lot of composers, if you get one hit early on in your career, it enables you to... It gives you a, it gives you a financial stability. You can then devote yourself to writing music. Well, yes. Which but, he certainly did. But you know why he did that is because right 
um, about when he first got to the Royal College of Music when he was 15, he, he was there. And then a couple of years later, in the boarding house or the rooming house or the flat or whatever it was that he was living in, a student at the Royal College was there. She was a soprano. And apparently she had this big fat voice, right? And so either she came up to his door and said, can you play your violin softer? I forget which is which. Or he came down to her door and said, can you sing softer? Because they were like, whatever. And that's whom he later married. They fell in love very soon. And they got married in 1909, whereas he had graduated from the Royal College of Music in 1903. This is is Dorothy Court. Yeah, his wife, Dorothy Court. So she became, after she graduated, what's called a Savoyard. She was one of the leading singers. Like She had big roles like Josephine in, what was it, Pirates of Penzance or Pinafore or something? Yeah, she she was doing the Savoy operas. And so it was because of her that he, um, after he finished singing with Albany, and those tours had gone fairly well, I think, that he started to, I guess you could say, do things for her. So he wrote these songs for her. They were singing them in the music halls. And I think before even Roses of Piccadilly became a hit, there was a couple of other hits like um, Love's Garden of Roses. Roses of Piccadilly was first uh, a hit in 1916 in the middle of the war, whereas a couple of his other songs, they were... quite hits. Mm. They were being sung in his six days a week for years. Let me think. About 13 years of touring these music halls. And that's when he was doing all those songs because of his wife and their gigs. I think that's why he was doing so many songs, Mm. you see. For us on the uh, on the Isle of Man, the the music that we know best, of course, are the orchestral compositions that he wrote from well, the late 1920s, early 1930s. Um, orchestral works based on Manx traditional melodies, mm-hmm. and the first one was a Manx rhapsody, which I, which I think is based on four um, traditional Manx tunes. Really, okay. I mean, there was King Ori, Millicarain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're the four main ones. Um, but no, um, A Manx Rhapsody, and in many ways it was the most performed of all his sort of Manx-inspired oh. works. There was also the Manx Overture, um, you know, the island of mountain and glens. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not actually based on any traditional Manx uh, melodies, but mm-hmm. it sounds like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it so there, there was, there's a whole collection of them. Um, but the um, they're the works that we know um, best here. And of course, he knew these Manx melodies and had known them since childhood um, because Harry Wood had, had been uh, Celtic, partly responsible. Celtic concerts. Um, yeah, the Celtic concerts. Harry Wood, of course, knew the Gill brothers 
uh, who had helped compile Manx National Songs. So the Manx National Songs were out there. They probably had copies of them. In fact, I know Harry Wood had his own personal copy of Manx National Songs. So Hayden Wood would have known these mm-hmm. songs. And uh, it, uh, it, he then went to this book when he, when he was looking for material for these orchestral works and found, of course, dozens of these wonderful melodies and, um, and wove them into these wonderful orchestral works. In doing that, I mean, he did a tremendous amount for the island because these works were broadcast a lot. He came here quite a lot, in the, particularly in the 1930s, and conducted them himself. And it, it kind of put the Isle of Man out there, uh, you know, as something more than just a, a holiday destination, you know, for mill workers in the northwest. It, it gave it a kind of a cultural meaning as well. Just moving on a, a little bit to uh, a, a later um labour of love, really, on, on part of um, Hayden Wood, was the enormous amount of music that he wrote for the 1951 Manx historical pageants. This, um, um, and it's part of the reason that you're here now, because you want to look at the original mm-hmm. music in the Manx Museum, mm-hmm. the, um, the collection they have, two huge boxes mm-hmm. full of the music that he wrote. Right. Basically, this was the, the Manx um, response to the 1951 national exhibitions in Britain. Right. Um, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going mm, to interrupt you. Yeah, good. In, in 2009, I happened to be, because there was a Haydenwood music at the South Bank, big concert hall, is that mm. the name? South Bank. And they had a huge exhibition then about the Festival of Britain. All the different cities had put on the Festival of Britain. Did they mention the Festival of Man? No. no. I was. Do you know why they wouldn't do no, that? No, please tell me. Because there was a lot about it in the local newspapers, and and the fact that the Manx were very aggrieved at this. Oh. They said, um, "You can take part in the uh, in, in the festivities, but and you can have your own festival if you want. We won't give you any money for it, but we'll give you some publicity because the Isle of Man is not part." Right. of Great Britain. It's okay. not part of England. That's true. Of, they of, don't want to yeah. be, I guess. Right. That, well, so. They didn't want to be and still don't, but that's a diff- That's a subject for another programme. Right. Um, and uh, we could get taken off air if we pursue oh. this. Oh, okay. And I could be ostracised that a milkman will stop delivering milk Uh-oh. to me. Um, but the point is, well, if he will, if he's Manx. Okay. Um, but the point is, uh, no, they, they were very sniffy about it. And the, the, the Isle of Man wasn't officially associated right. with the Festival of Britain. Okay, so I it had its it. own festival. Um which was which was really sort of four linked historical pageants. Oh, it was so huge about the history. It was a massive thing. Massive. They did the it in four. Their own ways they did time. it in. Yeah, I must admit, I got photocopies of this. I purchased photocopies. It was really expensive. Uh, of what what I'd like to see the originals of. It's like I've got it. There was so he put so much into this because it was performed in. I think it was performed in Peel. And Douglas and uh, Castletown. Castletown and one yeah. other place I forget. Uh, well, there were three, basically oh, three, three places. Okay, it's yeah. over three different days. Mm. Anyway, I do have it, but um, I I think it's so huge that they can't even contemplate ever resurrecting it. You know, I realize that. Now I noticed that the the enemy, that's to say, the studio clock, is uh, racing away. So, uh, uh, one more thing I'd like to ask you, sort of in conclusion. Um, you're here at the moment, obviously, doing a little bit of research and um, hopefully catching up with old friends. That's me, by the way, if anybody's interested. Um, and um, so we hope that will be successful. Thank and, you. of course, you are in the midst of compiling and writing your own book mm-hmm. about the life of Hayden Wood. The life of which, music. Yeah. yeah. 
which life and music, which is much needed. There yes. never has been one. No. Um, and um, so obviously, obviously uh, we're not going to keep you here because it's taking writing time away from you. But um, I suppose it's a silly question to ask, but uh, I know that I know that you're working on the first couple of chapters. Oh, at I've the moment. done the. I've done um, more than that. Yeah. Any. Uh, any idea when we might find it in the in a in a bookshop? Well, I better smarten up because I'm inevitably getting older. Uh, I'll say it this way: I'm not quite sure, but I've got to make it a priority. I keep playing little gigs with my violin and playing in symphony concerts and visiting my grandchildren and eating and pruning my trees. You know what I mean? I've got to say, forget it, world. Here I am. So I'm not quite sure. But let me say this: I do have a website called for Hayden Wood's music and you can get in touch with me that way it's Hayden Wood music at you know the at yeah. yahoo dot com it's a fascinating website yes with lots I have of information way more information than, than it's on the website oh sure but still it's the start and yeah. you can actually reach me that way well, thank you so much. It is a pleasure to have both of you on Spotlight tonight. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. Good luck with the book. that's all we have time for this evening but i'm sure you'll agree there's plenty more to say so the conversation will continue on the spotlight podcast which you'll find at manxradio.com i'll be back next wednesday at our new time of six o'clock so scribble that in your diaries in the meantime have a lovely creative week slen you